Hello, I'm Brett Fuller, and this is your 15. Today we're going to continue our discussion on church government, and we're going to concentrate on the topic of eldership. Uh, Paul writes to Timothy and to Titus. These were two of his disciples, young men that he had trained in ministry. They were both deployed in different places. And he asks them to now set in government in the churches where they were and to appoint men to certain spots. Uh, he gives qualifications for those spots so that the, the two men, Titus and Timothy, would know who is eligible to be appointed. And so we're going to look at these two passages of Scripture in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and then Titus. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7 say this, It is a trustworthy statement. If a man aspires to the office of overseer, it is a fine work he desires to do. An overseer then, verse 2, must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. Verse 3, not addicted to wine or pugnacious, but gentle, peaceable, free from the love of money. He must be one who knows how to manage his own household well. And he knows how to keep his children under control with all dignity. But if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he be able to manage the church of God? Verse 6, and he must not be a new convert, so that he will not become conceited and fall into the condemnation incurred by the devil. And he must have a good reputation with those who are outside, so that he will not fall into to reproach and the snare of the devil. Titus chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. Paul is also giving requirements, but he expands them a little bit because Titus is dealing with a group of people that are in different circumstances and come from different backgrounds, and so there may be uh, need to, needs to be some more delineation and definition about who is eligible. He says to Titus, they ought not be self-willed in verse 7 of chapter 1, and they ought to love what is good. Uh, they ought to be sensible, just, devout, holding fast the word of God, which is in accordance with the teaching, so that they will be able to exhort in sound doctrine and refute those who contradict. So these qualities here are those which allow a man to be eligible. Now, it doesn't mean that everybody who has all these qualities needs to be an elder. It simply means that if you are going to be an elder, you need to have these qualities. Now, let me say something about these qualities. They might seem a little daunting in that there are so many. And, and they, they, they seem to be very exact in their, their, their specificity. And it, it might be a little bit intimidating to most. But, but these, these are really minimum character requirements that, that ought to define a good Christian. Let, let, let me break it down. He, he's basically saying... Okay, if you want to be a governor in the church, you, you, you can't be a drunkard. You, you can't just take three-fifths of vodka every day and down it and think you're going to be able to counsel somebody while you're south. You, you just can't do it. Uh, you, you can't be fond of sort of game, which means you, you can't go out to the, to the racetracks every day to figure out how to, how to make your living and, and blow all your money on the lottery and spend all your time in Atlantic City or Vegas and, and wind up in, in GA gamblers. and not, you, you can't do that. 
And, and you can't be a polygamist. And, and, and you can't have your children slapping you in the face all the time. This is what he's saying. These are minimal character requirements. This isn't hard. And the beautiful thing is, in this, there is no requirement for gifting. He doesn't say you have to preach well. He doesn't say you have to be able to lay your hands on the sick and raise the dead. And, and, and he, he, there's nothing about this uh, in, with respect to, to gifting. Now, it doesn't mean that gifting doesn't help. But these are minimum requirements for eligibility to be appointed as an elder. And we're going to go through every one of them so that you understand a little bit about what it means. Number one, got to be above reproach. What that means is, is you, you can't have people out there that if a person were appointed as an elder, that person can't have people come and scratch their head and say, wait a minute, him, her, are you kidding me? No, you, you have no idea. They, they cheat in business. They, they don't have any honesty at all. They, they lie. They, they have issues. As, as a coach of, of, of my kids' basketball team, they, they faked injuries. They, they, you, you, you can't have this kind of stuff being leveled against a person that are legitimate complaints and then have them be, be eligible for eldership. You can't have it. Now, it doesn't mean that there won't be illegitimate complaints meaning that there may be folk who just don't, don't like somebody and they, they just want to tear them down because they've got something on the inside of them that is just against the person. That's going to happen. Jesus had illegitimate complaints against him, lies against him, and he said if somebody falsely accuses, you pray for him. And so that happens. But, but you can't be a person who has legitimate reasons to be reproached in your character. Secondly, you've got to be the husband of one wife. Now that does not mean that you have to be married in order to be an elder. It just means you can't be a polygamist. So you can't have two or three wives. Now in America, it's illegal. But there are a lot of places around the world where polygamy is still okay. Paul says, nope. If you have two or three wives, that disqualifies you from being an elder. It doesn't mean you can't be a wonderful Christian. It doesn't mean you can't do great things in the kingdom. It just means you are now disqualified from governance in being an elder. Husband of one wife. And, that, and, and the stipulation here, husband of one wife, is not intended to be gender specific. Because if it, if it were so specific with respect to gender, then it would probably be very specific with respect to marital requirement. Not just one that says you, you must practice monogamy, but one that says you must be married. And that's not the intent here. So if it's not specific about saying that an elder must be married, meaning husband of one wife, it probably is not specific about gender and that it's possible for a woman to be an elder in the church and practice governance. And we can go into what that means later. But in China, there are thousands of women who are leading the church. Um, thousands, tens of thousands who are called or functioning as pastors. It, 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 simply because a person's not a man doesn't mean they're not called. Secondly, temperate means self-controlled. You can't be flying off at the handle on a regular basis. You can't be screaming and hollering and throw fits. You've got to have a degree of self-control. Prudent simply means that, that you make good decisions. 
uh, not everybody makes every decision uh, and not everybody can make, not all of everybody's decisions are good, but, but you've got to make really good decisions in the basic areas of life, the main areas of life, respectable. People have to be able to respect you. You, you can't have folks who don't respect an elder giving them now charge over their life. Uh, sheep want to follow somebody that they can really trust. Hospitable. And the word hospitable in Greek is the word philios xenos, which is friend in the Greek, friend of the stranger or the foreigner. In order to be an elder, you've got to invite people into your home that are not yours. You've got to be somebody who is welcoming people that are not, that, that don't have your last name. Whether it be believers or unbelievers, you've got to be somebody who is inviting. You've got to be able to teach. You don't have to be a great teacher, but you have to be able to teach. Take out the Bible, lead somebody to Jesus. You've got to be able to understand the foundations of the faith, uh, understand something about what it means to be water baptized and take somebody through that, what it means to receive the Holy Spirit. Basic things to keep folk right and to help them be equipped. Can be pugnacious. Now, pugnacity is that which loves to get in fights. Uh, you, you, you relish a good verbal joust, and maybe even one that really, you know, slap skin, hit somebody. Just not right. You can't do that. You can't want to get into fights. You have to love peace. Have to love peace. And lastly, in this <clears throat> particular section, you need to be gentle. Um, you need to be somebody who, who exercises a degree of, of calm and, and, and sensitivity toward people and not harshness. Always wanting to make sure that people are receiving all of God's character and not feeling like they are being so pounded and hounded by him for their sin, uh, for their shortcomings. But you are able to restore somebody who has fallen with gentleness. Peaceable. You love peace. You're not trying to, to make conflict. You're not trying to stir up stuff. You want to be a person that is constantly trying to figure out, how can I reconcile here? And how can I be reconciled? Free from the love of money. Doesn't mean you don't have a desire to earn income and provide for your family, but you can't love it. You can't love money. You have to love God. Jesus said you can't serve two masters. Either you will love one and hate the other, or cling to one and despise the other. Matthew 6, 24. You cannot serve both God and mammon, or material possessions and money. We cannot love money. Nothing wrong with desiring it to provide for our family and savings accounts and all of that, but we have to love God first and let him decide what we need to do with his money that he's given us. We have to manage our own household well. We have to make sure that our children are kept under dignity and in control. These two fit together. We have to... We have, to, we have to be able to make sure that our family is in enough order whereby it doesn't require all of our attention so that we now can't give any to the church. We've got to be folks, elders do, that manage their household well, They're, have a good marriage, and their children actually respect them. doesn't mean that your children have to always obey you. That will never happen, by the way, ever. There is no always in obedience with children. But there has to be a sense of order, an umbrella of order, that the children come under and respect. Can't be a new convert. If not, they'll become conceited. There has to be a degree of humility that comes into a person's life 
that can only be seasoned best by age. A new convert really doesn't have all the sensibilities yet to be able to govern well, and they don't need to be elevated that quickly. And what happens is this, when they get elevated that quickly, eh, they got to fall. And that fall usually creates some condemnation in their life. And because they don't have the maturity to come down from where they've been, they usually get into a sense of guilt over guilt, uh, self-pity, and it, it, gets, it gets very, very difficult to bring them back up to their proper place. Um, they must have a good reputation with those outside the church so that you won't fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. People have to speak well of you outside. They can't just deride you all the time. They can't, you, you can't have a bad reputation with people outside. can't be self-willed. You have to be like Jesus, who said, not my will, but thy will. You can't allow your will to get in front of God's. Oh, you have to love what is good. You need to love what is good. Don't, don't find your heart taken by that which is evil. You have to see something down on the inside, an elder does. Down on the inside it says, I love God's good will. You have to be sensible. You gotta have some just good old scriptural common sense and, and not do stupid stuff. You have to be just not unfair in your judgments. You have to be devout, pious, regular devotional lives. Um, you, have to, you have to lead your family into the knowledge of the truth. There has to be something about you that looks something like holiness. And you have to hold fast the faithful word. You gotta, gotta love this Bible and, and, and hold on to it and not let go of the truths that are most important to your hope your security, your future, and everybody else's. You can't chase after other doctrines. You've got to hold on to these things. These are the minimum requirements to be eligible to be an elder. And when you have somebody who is an excellent uh, uh, elder, he not only has this, but then he has the intangibles of good personal relational skills, uh, a sense of of, of kindness that exudes for him. Uh, the character of the Holy Spirit, which is found in, in Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit, those things of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, these things just exude from him. And as he grows, he develops a real love and passion for the sheep. Add, a, add to that a sense of gifting and articulation or, or calling. Wow, you have got a tremendous governor. Aspire to these things, because Paul said it's a good thing to do so. This is your 15.